podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. And welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hooray! Great indeed. Uh, it's Pod Four Six Five, um, and this well, two games this week to preview. Re- sorry, review. Although I feel like just the second one we'll be talking about more. Uh, it's Man City and Brighton, both one 0 defeats for Palace. And joining me to review uh, those games is Kevin Day. Welcome back on the podcast. I had many requests to have you back on the podcast. How are you? I'm fine. Remind me of your name again. <laughs> it has been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, a lot of those requests came from me, I have to say. My sarcastic comments on the WhatsApp group that you took about eight weeks to respond to after everyone else. I thought you were going to say um, all those all those Twitter accounts. You've been very busy creating all the Twitter accounts for pressing your back. Time well spent, I think. Uh, also, I've, I've, I have enough trouble working my own without creating other people's in a different name. <laughs> Also joining us is a panellist who I would say is probably one result away from becoming a Newport County fan. It's Grace Matheson. <laughs> Might Grace. even be closer than that at this stage. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, JD. Yeah, yeah, still why, here. Why, why Newport County? My boyfriend's a, a Newport season ticket holder. He's from oh. there. Um, no, I don't okay. think I don't think anyone else would choose to support them for any other yeah, well, any other reason. Yeah, there's the clue. He's from there, and that's yeah. why you can't. That's one of the very very many reasons you can't support them. <laughs> Let's not get into that. It's not the day for it, Kevin. Um, no, no, no. I in, mean, because Grace always it doesn't work like that. Grace is a Palace fan. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but Grace I don't want to get stuck. I've been allocated since birth. It's too late now. <laughs> that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, before we get anywhere. Shall we do a drum roll for a random patron? It's Mr. Rob Billington. Hey, Rob. Hey, Rob. Hello, Rob. Thanks for joining our patron. You can get all the awards. Rob gets a proper Kevin Day drum roll. None of those half-hearted, woke variety drum rolls you've been getting from the likes of Sutherland. (laughs) Those woke left-wing striker (laughs) drum rolls. Um, It's the drum roll that Rob's been waiting his whole life for. Um, And our patron has... uh, a load of post-match podcasts, winners and losers in this part of the pod, patron-only merchandise, and access to the Discord club at patreon.com slash podcast. We're also delighted this week to be sponsored by our friends, our good friends, at Eternity Home Finance. They're Croydon-based, palace-supporting, family-run, mortgage and protection advisors. From getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and for a free consultation and quote the code FYP. I just thought maybe should I do a joke in there about retirement and Vieira? I'm not going to do it. That would be too easy. Um, final bit of admin. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the Remph 
uh, charity, Robert E. Memorial Fund, have announced they're doing their final match this year. They've decided to close the fund after 22 years of fantastic work. So the final match is June the 2nd at the Amex Palace versus Brighton fans. So put it in your diary. Let's try and pack out the Amex more than most weeks and see if we can raise as much money as possible for the fund. And I want to also say uh, a big happy birthday to Ben Long, uh, who runs the Palace team. Uh, It's his birthday today. He is going to come on the pod next week to talk us through uh, that final game. Uh, But we send our birthday wishes to Longy indeed. Um, I feel like I've been trying to put this bit off, Kevin, but we have to come and talk about Palace now. On my notes, it does say, Man City slash Brighton. But I feel like whenever this happens, we always end up talking about the most recent game. Mm. But before I do that, can I put a question to you that's come from various listeners, including Quentin Solden, Total Tech Soccer Camps, Magic Cheese 72, Jason Mallon, and Robert Riviera. I think you can probably know where this is going. Mm -hmm. They all want to know what is Kevin's piece of paper looking like these days your piece of paper i think might be our most famous panelist at this point <laughs> where is it what's happened to it can you give us an update uh well first of all well done for mentioning remph which puts it all into a bit of perspective uh actually which i think most of us probably need after last night that the bit of paper as yet doesn't exist <gasps> which which indicates a level of optimism uh wow uh that comes from me not having closely enough scrutinised the league table until this morning. Uh, but out of loyalty and a misguided optimism, I've, I've decided to wait till Monday, and then the piece of paper will definitely be coming out. I, I did an emergency, what will happen this Sunday, <coughs> piece of paper last night, uh, to work out the chances of still being 12th, which would be a miracle. The fact that we're clinging mm. tenaciously, limpet-like to 12th position. Uh, in all honesty, I genuinely didn't think it would come to the piece of paper, just as I genuinely thought we wouldn't be having this sort of podcast again, the sort that we've had every season, where things seem to be going all right, and then suddenly, hang on a second, where's this, where's this come from? So I, I'm hanging on to see what develops over the weekend. I suspect Monday might be an important day one way or the other, whether you're in the pro-Viera or anti-Viera camp. I mean, the one thing I'll say about the City game is that we didn't get the point we arguably deserved because of a single rush of blood to the head from Elise. Yeah. I'll tell you my big worry, and this is something I have been looking at, my big worry is that the lowest points total we've ever had in the Premier League was 41. And we need 14 points to match that. That that worries. I think we're perfectly capable of getting those 14 points. It's whether, and I think most of this pod will be taken up with deciding whether Vieira is the manager to win those very winnable yeah. games, or whether say, I mean, Harris turning up last night is not is not a good sign. If you're on your way to the guillotine, you wouldn't want Harris to be the person you saw knitting by the side of it because you think there's no way out of this. But I, I, I'll put my cards on the table. I'm in the Pro Vieira camp. I hope I hope he's still is still a manager. Having said that, I fully understand all those people who hope he hope he doesn't. I really do genuinely get it. I like I like the man. I think he's been good for the club. And I think until the World Cup, we were in a really good position. But taking out my affection and respect for him, you just have to look at our record. And then any other club would have sacked their manager by now. It's as simple as that. You, you can't argue with the with with the figures. You 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 really can't. And 
whether the players still retain the confidence of him, I don't know. I think it's significant that his odds have dropped from 16 to 1 to 4 to 1. But having said that, the bookies have still got us as clear favourites of the the bottom half of the table to stay up. So, you know, there are many ways of looking at this this issue. But I, I, I generally hope he stays. I won't be surprised if he doesn't. And I can fully understand those people who want him to go. Yes, we'll come on to the area in part two. Many questions. We are clinging on to 12th uh, in the same way that I'm clinging on to my original beard colour, um, <laughs> a.k.a. desperately. Um, is, that the name of, is that the colour? The name of the desperately? Is that what it is? Desperately. <laughs> desperately. Desperately by Jim Despe- Daly. Desperately Daly. <laughs> um Let's lead it on then, Grace, to to relegation chat because obviously that I mean it, it's been sort of the elephant in the room, and uh, the recent results have made that elephant bigger and harder to ignore. Um, Andy Hill says, "Just how doomed are we?" Um, and Robin Nickelberg says, "Pundits aren't worried about us going down, are they? Simply wrong." If you had a bit of paper like Kevin, where would you be right now? I don't know. It's it's hard, like because like Kevin says, we are and we have been clinging desperately to twelfth. And it's almost given us a bit of a a false position because whilst we've not moved, the teams below us have been picking up the points. And I think that's that's the issue is where that gap has been closing when we'd previously been however many points we were clear of those those teams. Um, And there's teams down there that you wouldn't expect to have been down there at the start of the season, the likes of Leicester, West Ham. So it's, it's not just us having an off um off run of games off season yeah. whatever you want to call it um but yeah we we are where we are because of i know everyone says you have to play everyone in this league twice at some point but you can't argue that the the run of fixtures we have we have had hasn't been kind to us at all um before the start of the season maybe we wouldn't have thought that newcastle and brighton would be as high up there mm-hmm. as we thought um, but I think the issues probably come with the fact that it's sort of the lack of goals as well. It's not just the losing, it's the where where are the goals, where are the shots on target even coming from. Um, yeah. And now we sort of find ourselves in the position where we've got top of the league Arsenal on Sunday before we then enter what looks like on, on paper a more um, winnable run of games. I just I worry slightly about how we turn the mindset from having had the results that we've had for the last couple of months to suddenly, okay, we can do this, we can we can win this. But that said, the performances haven't been completely dire every single week. And I think that's probably what has kept um Vieira where he is. But yeah, like like Kevin says, I think I'm still I, I don't really see or come to Morvier, obviously, I don't really see what sacking him at this point would achieve. I it's my personal view, so if I'm I think we we should stick. Um, but at the same time, it's so we're sort of coming to crunch time. Um I still I still think we'll be okay, but it's not gonna be a pretty end to the season, I don't think. The thing is we have been picking up some points and against good teams as well. I mean I, I generally think we we deserved a point against Man City for resolve yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and organisation alone. We deserved a point against Liverpool, against Newcastle, against Man U at Sellers Park. We were the better team at, at Brentford, and if we hadn't wasted so much time ourselves at the end, we would have deservedly won that game. Villa was pretty much fifty fifty, so we're not 
we're not playing disastrously and we are picking up some points. And the fact is, I understand those people who say, well, Brentford, Brighton, Fulham shouldn't be above us, but they are. And they're playing really good football. So you have to deal with that. And the fact is, every single game we've played, bar one, since the World Cup, has been against a team above us. And the one game we played against a team below us, we won comfortably 2-0. I don't think we had a good transfer window. And I don't think anyone can, can deny that. We didn't buy the right players. I think we've got... Uh, week in, week out, in the Porsons' arms and the WhatsApp groups, we all say that we love Schluppy, but he's not a midfield player. So we know where the issues are. And, you know, if if Paddy McCarthy, for example, was in charge last night, would Edward have still missed that sitter? We could have been 3 nil up after 10 minutes last night. We had three shots on target in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. We could have been 3 nil up. And the, but the problem is, as soon as Brighton go one up, that's it. The, the players know the, the, the game's up, the game's over, unless they score an own goal. We're not going to score, but I don't see how a new manager coming in would automatically rectify that, unless all their problems are down to a lack of confidence or a lack of belief in the manager. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the case. We've had no luck at all, and I think we are more than capable of beating the, the you know, eight of the last nine games are against teams below us, or seven of the last nine. And I think we're more than capable of beating them. The trouble is, we have to. That's my, that's my point. And if. If we're going to change manager, as Macbeth said, if, if it were done, when it is done, then it were done quickly. There's no point. If we're going to change manager, don't do it now because there's no point bringing Paddy McCarthy in because that's the big rumour this afternoon on social media. There's no point bringing him in and, and we lose 5-0 at Arsenal and all we can see on Sky is him consoling a baby goalkeeper, crying his eyes out. That's not a good start. That's not a good start. So whoever comes in, bring them in Monday. We've got two-week break then. Whoever comes in, bring them in Monday. I don't know if we can afford to sack Vieira, to be perfectly honest. And also, to be honest, the way things are going, I'd rather we sack the owners than the manager because there's clearly something deeply wrong at the club. There's a civil war going on between the, the four main owners of the club. Two of them want out and none of them, it seems, can agree on the way the club is, is run. So what do we do? Do we spend a fortune now replacing uh, Vieira short term and then spend another fortune in the summer getting somebody in long term? Do we give uh, uh, Paddy McCarthy again three-year contract? What do we do? There's, there's no one in charge who knows. And then you look at Brighton and Brentford, and I hate to say this, you look at clubs with a long-term strategy when it comes to recruiting players and coaches and a, and a style which we simply haven't got. Again, as we've said Every season since we went to the Premier League, we lurched from one crisis to another. How we've stayed up for this meant it's it's incredible. But I've just I'm looking at the points we've got and the league position we've had. We've done really well, but but we we seem to stay up despite ourselves rather than because of anything we're actually doing. That's the frustrating thing. Yeah, no, I, do you know it is quite nice to hear you guys be positive actually. And I will say, what other fan podcast will you hear Macbeth quoted on? I mean, that <laughs> really sets us aside. I think from the. Uh, from the competition and I apologize as well it's nice hearing you both be quite upbeat I apologize if I'm coming across as quite uh low energy today but my uh I'm uh, I'm not sleeping very well because my toddler is not sleeping through the night but it's nice to know that Palace is keeping him oh. awake at night as, as well so clearly he cares <laughs> um, about the issues um I don't, th- I don't think I don't think me saying I don't think me saying it's a miracle that we've stayed up 10 years running <laughs> is necessarily upbeat JD to be perfectly honest <laughs> in, in the context of current climate I think uh, yeah, I, I agree. take yes, what you sorry. can yeah fair point <laughs> um we'll move on in a minute to I think the most positive part of last night's uh game before we do that uh, Quentin Solden did add into his question about the uh, piece of paper, Thornton Heath Pond Beware, which is a lovely little callback. It's about a five-year callback, I think, uh, which is great. Um, 
The goal, the goals are an obvious issue, and Mike Phillips says any chance we can start with ten nil nils from April onwards. Might would that that actually technically would be twelve? That might actually be enough, Mike. Um, really quickly then, um, before we move on to talking about Joe Whitworth, which is a fantastic story from last night. Um, a few listeners who agree with you guys, Robin Mickelberg again said we were actually very good first half, three big chances, yeah. we should have put away at least one. Brighton have taken a very well taken goal, otherwise not that good really. Uh, and then one of our listeners who has changed his name. So he used to be called I Say Eze is a Vibe. He's now called I Say Eze is a Underappreciated, <laughs> which is excellent. Um, what game was everyone watching? We played way more aggressive. Eze, at least, say Odson, Tyreek Mitchell, drop personal shockers while everyone else is good. And still it's Vieira's fault. Are you all mad? Um, so I, there I you think, go. Think, Not I everyone is. I, know, I think that's a very good point part. about the approach last night, that we were far more positive. We were far more positive in the, second, in the first half, without a doubt, from the kickoff. And I, I don't know whether that's an attempt to to protect the keeper by keeping the ball at that end as much as possible. But I thought it was noticeable how on the front foot we were at the start. The trouble is, as I say, as soon as we went one nil down, that that energy dropped almost immediately. But we, we're not. It's like Grace said, we're not playing disaster. You, you couldn't pick any one of our games and say that's a poor team. Well, it's you know, it's just where I think that's got... the problem with the Premier League is the margins are fine, aren't they? And yeah, of I, course think, I guess that is the worry is is and we'll come on to this in part two that if the team is clearly lacking confidence that much that when they go a goal down you feel like well that yeah well the the other the other big problem is that, that might be it then that does point to an issue in the dressing room. Nor- normally by now two teams have gone. That's the other big problem. Yeah. And also, you look at the, the teams below us, and as Grace said, they're, they're not teams you would normally associate with with being in a relegation battle. So I think part of you thinks, well, they're, they're not going to go down. Yeah. So you kind of eliminate each team one by one, and, and you go, hang on a second, we could... We are we are definitely in it, but I, I still think we're in it by default to an extent. You know, that sound, might sound a bit odd. No, I think I think I think you're right, and I think everyone <laughs> knows we're in it. Um, let's round off, Grace, part one by talking about the positive. Before I do that, I've just seen I've got a question here from uh, Laura Watts, who says, not a question, but request. Can this pod not be too depressing, please? (laughs) I think we're towing the line. I think we are just about (laughs) towing the line. Uh, Jacqueline Hart uh, says, Whitworth for Man of the Match. What a fantastic story this was. Joe Whitworth, 19 years old, Palace fan, former ball boy, only a couple of years ago, uh, due to injury to Guaita and Butland having gone and Sam Johnson either being injured or out on loan, I don't even know anymore. Calf injury. Um, there you go. Was thrust into his first game, first team game, away at Brighton. Couldn't have been a more stressful game to go into, given everything at the club. And I think he really did himself proud. Yeah, I mean, what a baptism of fire. Um, Brighton away, can't really get much much bigger than that for someone that yeah. definitely knows what that fixture means. Yeah. Um, and I thought he did himself really proud. But to be honest, even if he hadn't, who I, I know I couldn't have been mad at him. He's 19. He's been thrown yeah. into that, not expecting it in the position that we are in. Um, but and that's that doesn't matter because he did. He had a really, really good game. I thought looked really assured for someone so young. Um, and and I think, yeah, absolutely should be really proud of himself. Kicked really well um, to only concede. One goal. I know they didn't. They they didn't create a huge amount, but he made some good cha- um good chances. They had some good chances, and he made some good saves, yeah. um, under pressure. So, yeah, 
definitely definitely the sort of light in a bit of the the darkness um and it'll be interesting to see if Gaeta recovers for Sunday or if he gets a run out at the Emirates as well um but suspect he might suspect he might Kevin it's a lovely story because it's basically what we all as kids dreamed of doing and he did it and not only that, he really, he stepped, I mean, arguably maybe he should have done better for the goal, but as Grace said, had some fantastic reflex saves in the second half. His kicking, we were told about this before the game, that he's good at this feet, his kicking was seriously impressive. And he played with the confidence of someone that's been playing in the Premier League for five years. Uh, I was a very realistic child, so I didn't harbour any ambitions. <laughs> what was your, ball boy, was ball, ball boy was your dream, was it? Uh, no, archaeologist, obviously, was, was, my, was my big dream. <laughs> or full-time book reader, basically. <laughs> <laughs> used to drive my mum up the wall. She used to go, go out and cause trouble with all the other kids like a normal child. Stop reading. You're, I am. I'm reading with Beth. <laughs> um, I, I, I hate to channel my inner Andy Street here, but he wasn't fought for the goal. Um, mm. He made up for it in the second half. He was he was fantastic. It is a fantastic story. It's a heartwarming story. I, and I got into a dispute with a lot of Palace fans yesterday about this. Whitworth should be making his debut in a Carabao Cup game. In August, we're a Premier League football club. We shouldn't be in a situation where a 19-year-old goalkeeper is making his debut against our bitterest rivals in a game that could have cost the manager his job. Our our, our third choice goalkeeper can't be a, an academy kid. It can't simply can't be. You know, we let Butland go because basically the wages we wanted him off the wage bill, so we shouldn't have got him in in the first place. We should, but I I just. I was a bit. There was not nothing to do with him, and it's a great story. Like I say, and I think he did really well. I wouldn't be surprised if he started at the Emirates, but that's going to be a much more different story at the Emirates. It's going to be a much more different story. Yeah. Arsenal keep the ball as well as Brighton do, but they tend to shoot at the end of it, and that would be a real, a real baptism. You, you guess if either of Johnson or Gaeta is is fit, he'll start. But I, I just thought. It just wasn't. It's just an indication of where the club is that we had to, at two days' notice had to tell a kid that he's playing against Brighton. Uh, and he, he was did, the morning, and he did. Of, morning of the game. And, and, he, and he did. He, he he was great. There's no doubt about it. He really was great. But yeah, that's not how he should be making his debut. Yeah, and it, it's interesting as well that the Palace fans at the end, and I, I've not seen Palace fans do that before. I've not seen Palace fans literally wave the players away, but except him because... We know the story, but that could have backfired really badly last night. It could have that could have put his career back two years. You know, if we, God forbid, if we lose five 0 at Arsenal on Sunday and he plays, that puts his career back two years. We shouldn't be in this situation. We really shouldn't. Yeah, well, I mean, they clearly think he's he's got the character to handle playing in the top flight. And to be honest, from what we saw last night, I think that, that he does seem very confident. But as you say, it's funny with Palace because we just. No matter how long we stay in the Premier League and progress, there's always something. Our our team might be Premier League, but the way we do things is, is always sometimes a bit Championship. It's, and it's not just us, though, is it? Because I was thinking yesterday, um, because I saw the sort of debate about having three sort of good enough keepers on the wage bill, and it made me think of the Newcastle situation. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I looked at theirs, and they've got Dubravka, Pope, and Carius, and then a youngster. So they. Um, and they've sent Dubravka's out on loan, so they're pretty much in the same same boat as we were. Um, so yeah, it's a it's an odd one, but yeah, I I agree completely that that that's what if we're not gonna, I mean the Carabao Cup, yeah, why not just give it give it a go? 
and give someone a chance then rather than run the risk of of like you say potentially capitulating someone's career from day one through no fault of their own and and also what you say jd is harks back to something we've said on every pod since we've been since we were promoted in 2013 every season it seems like the premier league takes us by surprise Mm. Every season, it seems that we still, you know, we recruit more and more backroom staff, but we still have a championship infrastructure playing in the Premier League. That's how it. That's how it seems to us as, as outsiders, as people who go and see the games week in, week out. And it's like we have built a good team, but you can't see any sense harking back to Brighton and Brentford that we've got a, a, a Palace style that, and we recruit managers to fit that style. We just, if we if we sack Vieira, we'll either recruit whoever's off the merry-go-round at the moment, or we'll do something drastic like getting in Paddy McCarthy. But whoever happens a fan to be going, well, why have we done that? So it's, it's there's no long-term scheme. I mean, it's like we have one really good transfer window followed by two really average transfer windows. Yeah. Well, there are two names linked to the Palace job. We'll come on to that in part two because every question is about part, part, part <laughs> two. But I think... Um, yeah, massive congratulations to Joe. And I know that Absolutely. Adam, I don't think Celsius was in. Palace family, I think Celsius was involved very much in his new contract as well. So a big shout out to Celsius as well. And I'm sure he was very proud, as were Joe's family last night, as were all Palace fans. Seeing a Palace fan living the dream is always a nice thing, especially when yeah. they play so well. So um, let's take a break. And when we come back, um, we're going to lower the mood even more. So we're talking about Vieira. <laughs> Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. When it comes to business travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Oh, sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold meetings or the Michelin dining or the innovative industries that'll make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at Orlando for Business. Dot 
Welcome back to the Fabi Pan Podcast. Hey. Sponsored by Eternity Home Finance. From getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement, email info at eternityhomefinance.com for a free consultation and quote the code FYP. Right. It's the part of the show that I think a lot of people have been waiting for. Uh, it's questions. And literally, I would say we've had about 100 questions. I'd say literally half of them are all about Vieira. So I've split them into Sack Vieira and Back Vieira. Because actually, although if you went on social media right now, the snapshot would probably suggest that everybody is anti Vieira. And Kevin, you made the point in part one about the fans. I know there was a lot of booing at the final whistle and fans that were there last night were talking about it being quite a toxic atmosphere, actually, in the away end. And the players being booed, the only one that didn't get that, obviously, was Whitworth, who got a, uh, he's one of our own chant at the end. But actually, if you look at our listeners, it genuinely is split. So let me just pull out a couple of random questions and then I'll... Before we, before we do that, JD, you said half the questions were about Vera. What are the other bloody half about? <laughs> your Your paper. Oh, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got one question later on about ducks. Uh, but that's, that's, that's about it. That sounds more positive than the, the Vieira ones. <laughs> Which I am going to put in to, uh, to lighten the mood later on. Um, here we go. Okay, so Andy King, is a change of manager the only roll of the dice we have? Uh, Malcolm Keyes, absolutely clueless. Are you fit? Lee say it's beyond me. Time for the manager to go. James Jeffrey, is that it for PV? To not score in four, it's beyond a joke. Paul O'Hara, only Keith Millen can save us now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Keith. Um, but on the flip side, CP Mason, when did fans become so impatient? Would another manager have got wins out the last few games? Yep. Fickle. Let's back him with signings in the summer and see this through. And then a few people, Kevin, saying what you were saying earlier. James Mook, Jason Mook, I blame the board before the manager. 10 years this year up in the Prem. The lack of investment in decent players is unbelievable. Uh, Matthew Harris, are you surprised there's seemingly much more criticism for Vieira than the board who don't give him the players he publicly said we needed? I guess, Kevin, it's shared blame in a way because the buck does stop with the manager. But this uh, recruitment issue is something we have talked about a lot on the pod. And actually, that seems to be coming to fruition. Until we lost to... Forest in the last game before the World Cup, we had quite the spring in our step. We'd had a really good run of results. I think we were up to eighth. We all knew we had a difficult run of games coming, but no one predicted this was going to happen. It, it, even allowing for that, it didn't quite look as though we were exploiting the potential of the previous season, but it, it, it didn't take a lot of imagination and to realise that Conor Gallagher was a huge part of, of the way we played under Patrick Vieira. And that if we weren't going to get him and we knew we weren't, then we had to find somebody similar, either within the ranks with Will Hughes or outside, to be able to continue playing the way we played in Vieira's first season, a season which made us all very happy. That didn't happen for whatever reason. Vieira decided to change the way we played, possibly because of that. Dukuri was a one-man midfield for the first third of the season. Uh, and the, the players, yeah, we. I don't understand our recruitment in the window. Lukonga is a player that Arsenal fans are split about, but has looked decent when he's coming. He does carry the ball forward. Armada comes in with a really, really good reputation for the Bundesliga. It doesn't look like he's going to start a game. I, 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 that I generally don't understand. Uh, is McCarthy part of the team? Is not part of the team? 
I, I don't know, but it, it just goes back to the fact, I think those people who talk about the board as much as the manager are absolutely right. It goes back to the lack of a, a, a cohesive plan. Vieira is just another another card to be discarded. Yeah, we'll, we'll go for somebody else and we'll be having the same conversation next year. I certainly think he's good enough as a manager to get us out of this. Um, unless the people running the club know more from the players that I do, I I think I would rather see him kept on, like I say. But then there's no point doing that unless in the summer we invest heavily in in better... We have to get better players. It's as simple as that. And and it seems that each season we go, actually, we have got a squad this time, haven't we? And then halfway through each season, we go, no, we haven't quite got a squad, have we? It's like, (laughs) you know, Richards was apparently the answer to everything. Whoever was injured in midfield or defence, Richards was going to be the answer until he got injured. The bigger issue, I don't know if we've got the funds to to it. You know, Bournemouth, people talk about how did Bournemouth beat Liverpool 1-0. Bournemouth spent 85 million quid in the window. Mm. Plucky little Bournemouth, who, who, who went from a Russian billionaire to an American billionaire spent 85 million quid in the window. They bought decent players. We bought one and one and one on loan. One of whom hasn't hasn't started a game yet. So I just, and, and I, I say I'm fairly convinced. I think Harrison Blitzer want out, but no one wants to buy half a football club. I, it, it, I don't even know who's making the decision about whether we sack Vieira or not. To be perfectly honest. I, I, I genuinely don't. I don't know who's in charge. I, I guess uh, they will. They will all be talking to each other, or Steve will be summoned to New York, uh, as normally happens. But I, I uh, you know, that, we we used to say this before, didn't we? A lot, and I thought we'd got over it. You, you can't keep swirling around the plug hole. We can't keep doing this. We. we we can't keep doing what Stoke did for all those years and go, we'll be fine, we'll, 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 we'll finish 15th every season. You can't do that. You have to plan to get better every season. You have to. You only have to look at Brentford. I thought Fulham would go down this season. I thought Brentford would struggle, but I, I underestimated the, the people running those clubs. You only have to look at them. You only have to look at Brighton's uh, trajectory. The, you know, there are a lot of clubs in the Premier League, you know, that you, you have to spend money first of all, to stand still and then spend money to move forward. It, it's a bigger argument about whether or not you spend money you haven't got and then bankrupt the club and get relegated. But we clearly don't seem to want to invest the money that it's going to take to help whoever's in charge, to be perfectly honest, to it's, keep us up. It is a sad reality, Grace, isn't it? That the, you sort of can't easy to stay up in the Premier League on a shoestring anymore. It just isn't done. And a few of our listeners agree. Mark with a C says, how can a squad transition if in three of the four windows the manager isn't backed? And we know that's something that Vieira has not even hinted at in press conferences, like said pretty blatantly. Uh, and Sam says, there's blame to be had in all departments in the context of our rivals doing so well. That's a pisser, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, think I think I might title this week's pod, that's a pisser. Um, and obviously, we're, Grace, we're never going to know the, you know, we're not in the boardroom and knowing those 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 kind of workings. And and and, and clearly it's, it's a difficult thing to run a football club, but um, there clearly does seem to be some sort of, I've got to choose my words carefully here, Fier has not been happy, I, I would say, maybe with his backing for some time. Yeah. And he's he's not the first manager, is he, that we've had that's not been happy with the, how things above him are run and the funding and maybe what's been promised to him versus what's then actually materialised. Um, and I think it's the fact that that seems to be a sort of reoccurring theme that that is the worry and the indication that we all know that 
something's not not working at the top between the four four owners that are involved and all seem to sort of be butting heads um albeit that like you say I'd love to be a fly on the wall to know what's going on but we're not so and it's just yeah I have sympathy with Vieira he can only do the best with what he's got um and if he's asked for certain things and was promised things and then those aren't delivered then to expect him to do the same job with half the tools available to him just isn't isn't fair or realistic and if you if you stand still you get you get it catches up with you basically like you said the likes of Stoke um also Swansea found themselves in that position um and then once you're down there I mean neither of them have come close to coming back up yet so it's yeah I think sort of it just feels like we're having a bit of an identity crisis at the at the top in the I don't know what the answer is what decision needs to be made but something to avoid this happening every year and where like we have owners that that want to be involved and want to be investing rather than just adding it as part of their portfolio and saying oh I own I own a Premier League football club great but put some money in then try to try to enhance it rather than just using it as a as a play thing um, and as other clubs are getting yeah. the big investment, like Bournemouth, Newcastle, albeit depending the, the sources of, of that money being somewhat morally questionable, but the, the point is they're getting that investment and that money, um, and we're we're going to get left behind pretty quickly if someone doesn't doesn't sort it out. The problem as well is I, I think we will stay up, but if you look, Burnley and Sheffield United are definitely going to come up. And they will certainly have financial backing in the Premier yeah. League. I've reached a stage where I'm hoping we will come come up through the playoffs because they're at least one team that will finish above. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, my, my generally my other worry is that Brighton win the cup, Mill will end up in the Premier League, and we get relegated. Oh. All those things could possibly happen. I don't think we will go down, but there, there are longer term issues with the club at the moment, and, they, and they've been brought into focus. Uh, and and also, you know, you, I, I'm not. I'm only semi-joking. You lose somebody like Phil Alexander, who was our CEO for 20 years. What level of power and influence Phil had, I don't know. But at least he was somebody who communicated with the fans. You had some semblance of what was going on. You know, Phil is somebody who would say to the fans, oh, that transfer fell through, unfortunately, or we didn't quite... You knew a little bit of what was happening. There's no semblance of that anymore. There's no semblance that we know what the plan is for the future. We all know that the owners don't get on with each other. They're not going to tell us why. Yeah, we, we all think it's slightly bizarre that John Texter spends an awful lot of money on buying a really decent French team when this time last year he was promising to spend an awful lot of money on us. You know, He's now got uh, heavily invested in, in three football clubs. So you know, you know I'm not good at maths and all that sort of stuff, which is possibly why I shouldn't be doing a financial <laughs> podcast. But you know, it, it stands to reason that if he's now got three clubs to invest heavily in, he's going to invest a lot less money in us than he planned to when he first arrived. Uh, as I, I say, Harrison Blitzer have lost interest quite clearly. That yeah, can't sell fair. the club. They don't own the club. They don't own the whole club. So uh, who who's out there? Which investment group? Which billionaire wants to buy a bit of a club? that's not doing that well in the Premier League. So that's not, you know, so they, they're, they're basically lumbered with their their share of Palace. Both of them outvote Steve Parrish. It doesn't matter what he wants. 
So we're, we're kind of stuck. We're in this bottleneck at the moment. It's this sort of impasse that we can't seem to get out of. Well, and, and also, um, no one's going to want to invest in a team that's been relegated to the championship as well. That's why keeping yeah. that Premier League status is absolutely imperative. I will say, um, you know, Grace made a point about Swansea and Stoke. I, I would not be confident of Palace returning to the Premier League if they got relegated. The only good thing would be, I can go back to doing this podcast once a fortnight, um, <laughs> which would be great. Um, let's move on to... Um, if they do decide, and we, I mean, we, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, the 17th of, 17th, 16th of March, and um, should anything change between now and Sunday, or now and next week's podcast, uh, you know, they may be looking for a manager, but um, quite a few listeners have brought up the question of who the hell is that going to be? Yes. Because the options are, uh, are thin on the ground. R- Ryan Delante uh, says, I don't think... There is anyone to replace Pat, but if I did, I would. Interesting. <laughs> um, Jack Shramkowski, um, are there any actual coaching candidates we could get on a short notice? Oh, he says in brackets, I'm still back PV. Just curious. Yeah. That's how it starts, Jack. <laughs> Curiosity. <laughs> and um, Alan, Alan Dunst says, um, got to be careful. Uh, Alan Dunst says, to me, it's clear Vieira's time is up. He seems incapable of addressing our scoring problems, but... Who the hell comes in? And uh, Grace, there were two names linked in an article that's literally just been posted uh, by Ed Aarons in The Guardian, uh, which basically says that Vieira is under pressure. I mean, that's not really a headline, but he does say that Vincent Company and Michael Carrick, the companies at Burnley, Carrick at Middlesbrough, always makes me feel very old when these are actual managers now. I think these guys are both younger than me, um, are potential names. But, but I mean, would you be happy with one of those two? Or really, who else is there? That's interesting. I hadn't hadn't seen that. I'd just seen the usual merry-go-round of names and everyone that's been sacked so far this season on a list, which didn't really appeal. But as a company, as a player, was one of my sort of favourite non-Palace people by the time he retired. I just really liked him. But I mean, he's still pretty green. I know he's doing very well at Burnley, but obviously Championship, a very different proposition to the Premier League. And I think it's just the manner of which any manner any manager would be thrown in now. It's right in at the deep end. We've got the two weeks for the international break, but then it's there's not really much room for oh okay, not not a great first start, whatever. It, it's gonna have to be hit the ground running. Yeah. Um Yeah. So I yeah, I'm I'm not sure how I'd feel about either of them. I I don't know. I feel well, like t- maybe Maybe they'd be a summer, I, I don't know, mid-season changes are just always a bit risky, I think. Vincent Company is guaranteed to be managing a Premier League club next season. So why would he move? There's no, there's no logic to that. Michael Carrick is doing a really good job. I know they dropped points against Stoke the other night, but he's doing a really good job and they will definitely be in the playoffs. So why would he jeopardise? Yeah, it's his first managerial job and he's doing really well in it. So why would he jeopardise that by... Being parachuted into, but yeah, the, the fact there's there's two options. We either do it from within, so Paddy McCarthy, Doogie Freeman. There are a lot of people who put two and two together and say this bad run has happened since Sean Derry uh, left the club. So that's another another option. Somebody to come in and throw some teacups about, or it's it's Sam Allardyce or one of the. We know that it's all or. or you know, if Leicester were to sack Brendan Rodgers tomorrow, I'd take him on Monday. It's simple. It's, it's it's you know, we could end up as David Moyes. But this this idea that I was going to say, do you know weirdly the name that's 
Big Greg Roman is David Moyes actually if he loses his job, and, and I wouldn't be unhappy with that. This, this oddly, I mean, this idea that a manager of the already of the quality of Vincent Company would come to Palace to try and scrap to keep us out relegate is just makes no sense. You either go for somebody from within, or you go from somebody who's got proven track record at this. You know, if Sean Dyche wasn't at Everton, you'd almost guarantee he'd be even mm. favourite to come to Palace, and that would be. He'd be the ideal choice if you are going to sack Vieira, but I, none of these people are better managers than Vieira, I, I don't think, to be perfectly honest. Well, how would you feel about Paddy McCarthy? Because I think, obviously, short-term, he would probably end up... And I know he's, he's got a very he's a really burgeoning reputation amongst uh, the youth leagues at Palace. And I think Kevin would be the first ever former FYP panellist <laughs> to go on to manage Crystal Palace, which would be some title. Well, that's only because they haven't asked me or Endicott yet, which is the obvious Dream solution. I, look, I, I love Paddy McCarthy. He's doing a brilliant job with the kids. The, the, the problem is to most of the first team, Paddy McCarthy's not a Palace legend, the way we think of him as a Palace legend. He's the kids' coach. And it's very difficult for the kids' coach to step up and take charge of the of, of the first team, I think. I think that's a really difficult thing to ask him to do it's a, and I know he's doing really well but it's a huge gulf between and, and by the way that's the other thing you know I, I, those people when I say that the, the club's not been very well run at the top level I have to agree with those people to say well some, some, someone's doing something right because the academy teams are performing well at just about every level but I think it's a huge thing to ask Paddy McCarthy to step up from uh, and let's face it, it's only ever going to be a temporary move for Paddy McCarthy. Whatever, whatever happens, I don't think there's any way, shape or form, and I don't think the fans would would take it as well that he became our permanent manager, no matter what the outcome of him becoming temporary manager. That's that, that's that's the problem. Is you know, be careful what you wish for. All those people who say, well, let's get rid of Vieira. Who? who? For who? Who can we afford? You know, do we, do we bring Allardyce in? Because, well, he's kept us up before. Do we bring Roy back? Because he's kept us up before, you know. Whatever, whatever solution seems to me, it's going to be a short-term one. So, just, I, I think Patrick's perfectly capable of keeping us up. As I say, unless the, the owners are aware, unless the players have gone to the owners to say, "Look, we've, we've lost all our confidence. We can't play for them." But who's going to make Mateta a better striker all of a sudden? Who's going to change the system so we score goals? The, the one thing that I, the one criticism I've had of. Uh, Vieira, the last eleven games is the only option he didn't try was dropping Ayu, right? And I and I couldn't understand why Ayu was picked game after game. That he was trying all these other combinations and none of them consisted of, of dropping Ayu. He changed that last night, and we looked for fifteen minutes. We looked a better team mm. because of it. But you know, what players have we got that we can suddenly go? Okay, let's tell you what, let's play a, 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 a four four two or let's play a four two four. As like you know. I, what, who, let's play, make James McArthur player manager. Who's going to be happy with that? It's it's just yeah. All those yep. people again. I love James McArthur, but all those people a couple of weeks ago say, "Our oh, Mac is back, fantastic." Why? How is that a step in the right direction? That we're really pleased that Mac is back because he shouts a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the options are. I was just checking 
see if I've got Keith Millen's number. I do. So I could literally <laughs> message him right now and see if, what he's doing next few weeks. I saw um, I saw Keith at a gig a couple of weeks ago. I have to say, he didn't have the demeanour of a man who was desperate to come back into <laughs> running. I thought, wasn't he in, uh, <laughs> it was in Sweden, wasn't he? Wasn't he in Sweden or Denmark or something? I think I don't know. He, was in, he was in a very happy place and I saw him. So he didn't look like a man yeah. who wanted good. Who wanted. He, had oh, no, he, was at Car- he was at Carlisle, wasn't he? But, yeah, anyway, good. I'm, good. I'm, I'm glad he's close enough place. to Sweden. Yeah. Carlisle, Norway. <laughs> basically. Basically. He is. <laughs> Yeah. Um, listen, we, obviously we will react to whatever happens on the next few weeks or days or whatever. It's going to be very interesting. Before we do that, let's finish with a question from Jamie Penston Raja. Hi, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Um, what is the correct response to the following? Having brought my partner to Selhurst for the City game for her first Palace match in the flesh, she points over to Pete and Alice and says, Oh, I love your ducks. <laughs> <laughs> was the was the result written in the stars from that moment and is there a way for us to make them more eagerly to save the season well if it's any consolation i genuinely thought we were going to win last night because i saw two magpies in the garden <laughs> the afternoon i thought that's got to be a good sign yeah and, and then although ed pointed out it, you might have seen one magpie twice so that was confusing <laughs> I yeah. don't think people, I mean, apart from Jamie saying, I don't, what's he want to do? Marry Chris Packham? Just, Who doesn't? They, they look eagerly enough. I think they look eagerly. I yeah. I think it's fine. I, I, I'd, I mean, Steve Parrish, the only way Steve Parrish could make things worse is by announcing that we're, from now on we are going to be called the Ducks. <laughs> the Mighty Ducks. We can't afford two new costumes. We'll so play we'll the Flying V. We'll be fine. That's the formation <laughs> we've been looking for. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, well, Pete and Alice, we think you look eagerly, so don't worry about it. Do not change. Um, Right, after the break, winners and losers. Uh, sponsored by Eternity Home Finance. From getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement, email info at eternityhomefinance.com for a free consultation, quoting the code FYP. If Palace get relegated, I may have to consider my retirement from this podcast, so I will (laughs) keep that email close. Um, It's time for winners and losers. This is a patron-only section, so if you're on the patron feed, you're going to hear winners and losers. If you're not, you're going to hear a caption from the post-match podcast last night, but if you like the sound of that and want that every game and winners and losers and loads more, Join us at patreon.com slash FYP podcast. Let's make the split now. We're joined by Dom as well. How are you doing, Dom? Oh, yeah, I'm great. Thanks. How are you? <laughs> Dom, how was, uh, how was uh, the back of the sofa in the end? <laughs> well, you know, what? after five, ten minutes, I was thinking I might, I might well be parked right in front of the television. Um. <laughs> But we've seen it all before, haven't we? It's Aston Villa away all over again. The uh, bright start, lots of good opportunities, more than that Villa, actually. And then the setback really erodes the confidence, exposes it for what it is. Everybody's very, very brittle at the moment, vulnerable, fragile. And most alarmingly of all, the second half performance was utterly, utterly, utterly unacceptable. And it has been. It was at Villa as well. And that's, unfortunately, that's pretty damning. And I suspect yeah. it's a, an indicator of where we're going. Not down, hopefully, but it may well be that that uh, the club have got a 
serious decision to make, haven't they? It's it's really challenging because it just feels like um, it's difficult to think of this Palace side being the same one that we saw last season. I mean, there were spells last season where we had poor runs of games, but this has been a consistently poor run of results more than anything. Initially, it would have it was you would have considered it a poor run of results, but from from that kind of poor run of results, we've now started to see poor performances really creep in in a way that that we can't really. There, there just isn't. There's. I don't think there's as much mitigation as there used to be. And and the thing is, we'll, we'll see people say. I just said on. Tw- I, I asked the question on Twitter: How long did Crystal Palace give Patrick Vieira as manager? And I'm not asking for him to be sacked. As I said on the pod a few weeks ago, it's not really my job as a fan to call for a manager to be sacked. That's a decision for the club to make, and ultimately, that's something that they will have to to make. But <clears throat> I had someone then reply and say, "Well, what about all the? You know, we've we've played against these top sides. That's fair, but we've also played against Aston Villa, and we should have." done better than we did against them and uh against brighton today i know that brighton are in a really rich vein of form but we should have done better against them today and i think when it comes to it the criticism comes from the nature of the performances and not the so much the result so if you're one of the things I've always said about in defense of fiera is i am as long as the performances are good enough we're, we're going to be okay. But it doesn't feel like right now the performances are really consistently good enough. And that's a worry for me. The thing I look at as well is that we're talking about lots of different players who aren't really doing as well as they did last season, you know? And I think defensively, I think we're okay. I do, I, I do think that we're okay defensively. We do, we seem to defend reasonably well. The Gay, I think, was respond, uh, was to blame a little bit for being caught, caught by Solly March. The pass into him was from Atoma was was a problem with midfield. But I, I'd say, look, if you look at like Schlupp, I don't think Schlupp has really had a very good season at all. You know, again, lots of running and lots of kind of effort, but not really a great deal of productivity. Are you again lots of running, lots of effort? not a great deal of productivity, even Wilf this season, especially since he's come back in the last few games, a lot of running, a lot of effort, not a great deal of productivity. Um, I'd say that Edouard doesn't really do do much running or effort in the grand scheme of things. And I think that's his biggest problem. I think Elise, again, lots of running, lots of effort, but not a great deal of productivity. And that is a problem throughout the side. And then it's also the biggest problem for me is that you look at, you look at the contrast between how Brighton play and how Palace play. And Brighton is just, it, and I get it, they're, they're, they're kind of unique because De Zerbi is a, a very highly rated coach and he's doing amazing things with Brighton. But the, the contrast is so stark in that when Brighton get possession, they ping it around and they have an intensity and a purpose. When Palace get it, it's like, oh, we'll go one step forward, two steps back. And it always just ends up going back to the goalkeeper or back to the centre-backs who then pass it forward. And it's all just a little bit meandering. It's all a little bit slow. There's just not a great deal of of purpose. And that's something that I'm always reminded of that article about Vieira when he was at Nice, about the fact that 
he they they just lost their identity and it just feels that way and it feels like the identity that we built last season and i know that the whole issue with gallagher being missing is a problem you know that that we 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 missed out on gallagher and it was a massive problem and we didn't have the midfield for it but even with the players we now have there's just this lack of identity this lack of purpose and we did we did really well for the first 11 minutes it was 11 minutes that we had three shots in but after that that was it there weren't any more there were not any more shots and that is it's it's damning it's damning because the minute that brighton scored we just knew there was this kind of sense of just defeat and that that's it's really problematic and i don't know I, the, the my my fear is i just don't know how vieira is going to retrieve that and and there's now a shift in how supporters are feeling about it. And is that what you would gauge as well, Don, that there's kind of a feel of a, a bit of a shift in, in, in fans and. But I, 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 I'm not going to speak for the fans. I, I, I'll talk about what I saw um, for that second half. I saw a man that was lost on the touchline. He looked completely broken, didn't know what to do. I mean, that was the reality of it. I was, and I know, I know I'm always loath to, and I always get the piss taken out of me for going back to the Chelsea thing. But I've seen a fair few number of Chelsea managers with that haunted, same haunted expression on their faces towards the end of a tenure where they, they what they're saying, what they're instructing their players to do isn't working and they have no alternative to it. And they're lost. And unfortunately, that was a pretty miserable picture that we saw of, of, of Patrick at the end there with you know the rain coming down. He just looked completely broken by the situation, and but I could, they've gone eleven Premier League games without a win. Now um, is that that is that is is that that is yeah. that is accurate, isn't it? All right, so that that would sap confidence out of any team. So I, I it doesn't surprise me if a player accepts the ball in midfield and rather than trying the risky pass goes sideways or goes backwards that's what happens but it's 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 the management's it's the management's job to get them playing again to to, to get them opening teams up and and trying things and not being afraid of mistakes making mistakes here and there but what we're actually seeing is is patternless it's it was ambling second a bit like this response really i mean it's just the second half was just aimless we again the only real sniff of goal that we got in the second half was from a brighton error uh, which presented the ball straight to ahamada with a slightly awkward angle on the wrong foot but that was it that was it and that that, that's just not good enough unfortunately and and, and no one thought that you know, there's no right. I mean, no, no team's got any right. No team that's in a relegation battle that's three points off the, uh, off the, you know, the relegation zone or whatever it is, um, has got a right to go to the team that's seventh and chasing European qualification and expect to get a result. But you do expect to see a performance with more cohesion than we saw after half time. I actually thought the first half was okay. I genuinely thought at half time, you know, all right, if you play out that second half, I can see the rub the green. You you, you might get a break. You yeah. might you might the ball might fall for you. But but what we actually saw was they just shrunk in on themselves. And it was almost like the, the whole pressure of the situation, the pressure on the management, um it, it just overcame them and they had no response whatsoever. 
It's it's funny yeah. you mentioned about him that shot in the rain because I saw that and it immediately took me back um, <laughs> six years to Turf Moor. And I tweeted this manager in the rain in a palace rain uh, soaked in a rain jacket, staring at a team losing one nil away to a team starting with B. I'm obviously not going to say that manager's name, and it was a very different scenario. Well, weirdly, you say that, JD, but I, there are. You could draw parallels between Scott Dan missing that free header at Turf Moor and Odson Edouard putting that chance wide in the opening exchanges this evening. Yeah. I mean, I mean the Scott Dan one, just for anyone that wasn't there, was much worse. It was, <laughs> it was yeah. a much worse chance. I mean, that was that was you know your granny could score that sort of chance. That is winners and losers done. Thank you very much to our lovely patrons for uh, listening uh, to that and for being our patrons. Um, after the break, oh, just a reminder, if you're back from the public feed and you want to hear our winners and losers, join us at patreon.com. The link is below in the show notes. Let's take a break and come back and preview a very easy trip to the league leaders. Welcome back to the Fabio Fan Podcast. Hey. Sponsored this week by Eternity Home Finance. From getting on the property ladder to planning on your retirement, email info at eternityhomefinance.com for a free consultation. Quote the code FYP. My toddler's just come back because it's suddenly got very noisy and she's crying. Um, Arsenal, we might be crying as well, guys, Sunday night. This could be this could be a little setup. Uh, Arsenal away, Kevin. Uh, not the easiest game. Although, having said that, they had. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. See, there are two possible parental responses. Then I would have gone to see what the problem was. You <laughs> shut the clever. door. <laughs> just get. Let's just get through the pod, darling. It'll be I'll fine. deal with it in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, they Arsenal have had a couple of games recently, Bournemouth in particular, where yeah. they haven't necessarily looked the most solid. Um, you know, critics might say the pressure's getting to them. Having said that, they do seem to always find a way to win. Uh, this is not going to be an easy game at all, is it? I, I, I have to say, I didn't think Arsenal would last the course. Uh, I thought with Man City breathing down. And Arsenal have been a joy to watch. After you compare the last time we played them before the start of this season, when we beat them 3-0, and we were so much better than they were and they were really good against us first game of the season and they've carried on doing that but as Bournemouth showed and as uh, Sporting Lisbon showed last week there there are frailties in defence they're not particularly good at defending set pieces the problem is we're not particularly good at front or taking set pieces but (laughs) despite everything I've said in this pod today I, I still I don't expect us to get hammered I still think defensively We've been, and these are famous last words, defensively, we've been well organised. As great as Gay deserves to be in the England setup, it's just a bit annoying if we do get a new manager in and Gay is not there to, for the benefit of it. But I I, I think, I, yeah, look, I don't think we'll win for a moment, but I, I think we'll, we've got a fairly decent record there. We've, you know, but I don't expect us to get hammered. If Whitworth's in goal, I won't be as worried as I would have been if that was his first game, but I'd still rather he wasn't 
to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I think it would be better if his story ended with a great display at Brighton and then starts again next season when everyone will be more comfortable with the fact that he's our third choice keeper and he'll be a year older and maybe an inch taller. But I, I, it is really difficult. The, the only hope is that Arsenal are... Uh, it's a shame City aren't playing on Saturday. They're playing in the cup. It would have been, it would have been nice if City won a league game on Saturday to put a bit of pressure on Arsenal. But the Arsenal will be expecting to win this game quite comfortably. Again, there's a Vieira factor, and I still expect him to be manager on on Sunday. It's quite possible he'll get more love from the Arsenal fans than he does from the Palace fans, depending on the performance. But I, I, you know, I. It's not the most optimistic thing to say, is it? But I don't think we'll be hammered to be. There's our, our, our to be, and also just if you want to look at things dispassionately, our record against the top teams isn't that bad. It's you know we conceded the four we conceded against Tottenham, as Paul Merson said. If Harry Kane played for us, we would have won that game. City in the second half when we were two 0 up were just magnificent. But for the rest, for the for the rest of it, we've been losing by one goal to the to the top teams, so I, I don't really expect us to get battered. That's um, as optimistic as I can be. Honestly, sorry, no, Laura. Sorry, Laura. Always, <laughs> sorry, Laura. I uh, before the podcast, I'd have taken I'd have taken that. Um, Grace, I'm going to pose three questions. Then, uh, who starts in goal? Who starts up front? Given Edward probably failed his audition last night, and who starts in the dugout? Oh God! Right, I'll take those. Take those uh, in reverse order. I think in the dugout, I do think it will still be Vieira. Um, and oh, I've forgotten what the questions were. This is great, isn't it? Um, who starts up front and who's in front, goal? Oh, up front. I mean, neither Edward nor Mateta covered themselves in glory last night, did they? Mm. So, um, whichever one starts, I don't think the goals will be coming from them. I'll put it that way. Um, and in goal, if Gaeta or Johnston are fit, then it it has to be them for a. I mean, they're top of the league, Arsenal. As much as Joe Whitworth's story is lovely, like Kevin said, maybe let's let's leave it as it is um, for now and start it again next season. Um, so hopefully, Gaeta or or Johnston probably more likely to be. Gaeta, I don't know. I haven't seen much about his injury. No, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I, I'm fairly certain Vieira will be in charge and I think he'll revert back to his comfort blanket of, of Ayu somewhere. Although yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd love to start with Eze, Elisa and Zahar in the middle. I still think we should be trying Ayu in midfield. In the, there's in the, in the there's no Lukonga, is there? There's we no, can't play no, him. There's so. no Lukonga. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going to suddenly start Armada in this game. So you think it's going to be Schlupp, Decore, and and one other. I would hopefully, if Will Hughes is fit, I understand he was sick rather than injured. I I still can't quite understand why Hughes hasn't played more than he has done. But I I, I suspect he will start with Will. I I've, I don't know. He might even start with Ayu up front. I don't know, but. The midfield, the midfield's the worry, especially with Lekonga not being there. On um, on Lekonga, I know we said we didn't, we don't think we're going to go down, but we were working out last night. Has anyone ever won the Premier League and been relegated in the same I, season? I, I think I think it has happened a couple of times actually. Has it with on loan players? Yeah. I uh, yes, 
I'm sure some of our listeners will be archived be asked to be yeah. it now. Just literally, <laughs> would he win it? Would he win a medal? Has he done it? Yeah, he's played he six has, times. I think I heard. Yeah, wasn't it Debravko you mentioned earlier was on loan at United from Newcastle, so had to get the coach back to Newcastle with his teammates with a winner's medal after the <laughs> <Dundee> Cup final. <laughs> Slightly awkward. Um, yeah, I, the problem with Eze is, and we haven't really talked about him, is he didn't cover himself in glory last night either, unfortunately, and he is having his own struggles as well in terms of performances. So um, the options are not abundant, uh, and I didn't realise there was no Lukonga, so I wonder if we might see Luca back in there, potentially, as he has played a bit I, recently I, as well. I think he played right against City. Yeah. I think that, that's the most likely option. Um the, the trouble is they're very, that's then a very defensive option, isn't it? But then that's I, I don't think I don't think you'll see us being as aggressive in the first fifteen minutes on Sunday no. as we were last night. And again, the problem is if Arsenal do score early, then we can't win. That's the that's the, the big problem. To be honest, if we can get through twenty minutes without conceding four, like we did in that game with Hodgson a couple of years ago, yeah, I'll be, be I'll be happy. Uh, what we do know is there'll be a bigger way contingent, and uh, hopefully they'll be as vocal and hopefully supportive of the team and the manager on Sunday. I think they will be, but that'll be interesting to see uh, how the tide is there. Um, I think we should end there, guys. I think that's about as positive as we're going to get. Yay. And uh, I actually do appreciate you guys coming on and uh, and bringing a bit of positivity to the pod. Uh, I'm going to go and see what's going on with my toddler downstairs, but it's been <laughs> lovely, Kevin, having you. Actually, I might not. I might stay here and edit the podcast. Yeah. Um, lovely having edit. you back on, You can't Kevin. edit that gold. Gold. Uh, I won't. Don't. I will just I'll slap it's, on the stings. It's always, a, it's always a pleasure. It's lovely to be back. Oh, it's great to be back. And Grace, lovely to have you on as well. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks to our patrons. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks to, I don't know, Joe Whitworth. And uh, we will see you all again next week. Goodbye. Podcast Network.